Well, hello and good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, May the 9th, 2022, and uh, I'm here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. And of course, I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, the associate pastor here at Rosa Sharon, and uh, sort of the, the de facto host of Monday Main Point. Um, I'm here with our entire staff, though, uh, our entire pastoral staff. We have our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy, with us, and of course, we have our children's uh, pastor, Blake Flincham, and our youth pastor, student pastor, uh, Jeremiah Custer. And on Monday Main Point, we just come together, uh, as the four of us would do anyway, and we talk about the Sunday the Sunday sermon, and um, we just kind of pull back the curtain a little bit, let you guys hear the conversation that we have in regards to it, but we do this anyway. Uh, we find it's beneficial to us as, as pastors to kind of talk over things, because uh, this may be a surprise to some of you, but most of the time we... If one of us is preaching, the, the other ones are not actually in the room when they're making the sermon. We see each other's outlines. Sometimes we'll share a, a few insights with each other. But on the, on, on the whole, I don't really know all of the message that Jeff's going to preach until I come on Sunday morning and I, and I hear it. I kind of have an idea of what he's going to do, but I don't have the whole message. And so uh, we, we wait for that discussion until afterwards, and then the, the four of us get together and we discuss. So if I've got questions or things that, that, that come up, and I'm like, hmm, what were you thinking, Jeff, when you said this? Um, that's, you know, th this is the time that I would do it. Only we're inviting you into the room when I do this. So, um, uh, and uh, so that's kind of what we're going to do. Uh, this, this, this is the final sermon in a sort of semi-series that you've been doing, Jeff, on 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 um, reflections during your time away. I think this is the last one you said you're gonna be doing. But it was also sort of a, it was Mother's Day yesterday, and so this was also a, a Mother's Day sermon. Made sense, because you know, your mom passed last year around the same time. And so uh, it, gave, it gave you a chance to kind of talk about a little bit of the reflections on on that, which um, the, the title of the message, if, if, if you weren't here, was um, a, a lesson from flowers. The text came from Psalm 103, 15 through 18. I'll read that, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what the, the, the gist of the message was, and then we'll get maybe a little deeper into the weeds here. Um, so Psalm 103, 15 through 18. Jeff, you took your text from New King James. That's where I'm going to read, too. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. All right. So really, four pretty, pretty good verses there that we can talk about, guys. Um, so the idea here is a lesson from flowers. Obviously, I mean, if you read those four verses, you kind of hear what that lesson from flowers is. You broke that down into two points. Um, the first is that the blossom or the bloom of a flower uh, serves as a, a metaphor for um, the finiteness of our human lives. Um, much like the flower that blooms uh, is here today and then gone tomorrow, so is the life of a physical human mortal. Um, and, you know, that's sort of something we all see. We know that. I mean, it's, that's, no, that's nothing that we don't, we don't know. I think even people outside of the church realize that. Um, but it's important to, to, to remember our mortality, and we'll get into this in a moment. Um, I want to talk about 
our own mortality and, and what happens when we reflect on our own mortality because I think so often we don't do that as humans, um, especially as, as modern-day Americans. I, I don't see us reflecting on our mortality as much as, say, our ancestors did. Um, um, you know, even my, my, even my grandparents, my great grandparents, I think mortality was closer to them than it is to us. And so I think we reflect on it less, but we'll talk about that in a moment. And then the second part is that the, the seed of a flower is also a metaphor, uh, for, for, uh, for the opposite of man's mortality, but God's infiniteness or his eternal nature, which he doesn't keep for himself, but of course he she, he shares with us um, who are willing to uh, to uh, keep his promise and keep his commandments. And and to do that, we know we can't keep his commandments, so we have to rely on Jesus. So that's where the gospel comes in. So that's sort of the message in a nutshell. So, um, but you 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 used a lot of other texts along the way. We're going to talk about some of that, but let's go back to what I just said a moment ago. Um, well, actually, let's let's back up a little bit further than that. Um, let's do a little bit of intro here, Jeff. Um, I know yesterday you talked a little bit about this, but um, why a lesson from flowers? Why this text? Um, what was sort of the process that went into uh, went into going into this particular sermon? Well, uh, technically, I finished up the the thing on bitterness, but then I got Mother's Day coming up, so okay. it kind of fell into like, well, it could be like an addendum to, all right, the whole year's gone now, everything you went through starting with your mother's death. Uh, but when I was thinking about it, you know, I was thinking uh, it is Mother's Day, and then I've reflected on last year um, after, after the church service, me and Eileen went down to see my mom because we knew it was going to be her last Mother's Day, and, and we always get gifts, and I'm like, well, this year I'm just going to give her flowers because she's going to die, and I wanted her to enjoy something and not buy flowers after she's dead that she can't enjoy. Right. And so that whole, we were talking about that, and I was like, Hey, that, that might be something good to look up for Mother's Day. And so, of course, I started looking at all the different flowers in the Bible and uh, kind of referenced a couple of them in the introduction about the lilies of the field. Right, right. And then, of course, the Rosa Sharon. Um, and then I thought about this text and the others like it. And I looked at all of them. And I picked this one because um, I felt like um, uh, it said what I wanted to say for Mother's Day because it wasn't just about mothers. It was about have an opportunity to present the gospel to, that, to people that were that church to be there with their mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, um, uh, so the flower idea was what, what, what I took off with. And then, okay, well, what does the Bible teach about flowers? And what are the lessons from flowers? And that's kind of where it came up with. It's kind of interesting. When I went to the grocery store last night and Nancy had texted me and she, when she opened her Bible, uh, she always writes the sermon title and the date and everything. Mm-hmm. So she had texted me that uh, in August of 2008, I did a sermon called "We We Are uh, We Are Like Grass." Mm. So I was like, "Oh, that was pretty cool." Yeah. And 14 years later, it was kind of similar message, but different kind of inspiration or kind of point or mm-hmm. you know the way I approached it. Right. Um, so probably back then it was August. Probably <laughs> I was probably thinking about all this grass cutting I was doing and stuff like that and how, you know, it's all futile. And mm-hmm. so that's probably where that message came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this one was particularly thinking about my mom and, and then the whole thing of giving her those flowers and she got to enjoy them before she died. And then ultimately the flowers died too, you know, about right. a week or two later because they were cut flowers. So, 
Um, and so that was the whole idea, the gist of the type of message uh, to bring for Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah. And and um, so I want to talk a little bit about um, about this first metaphor and and what I said a moment ago and and uh, Jeremiah and I'll see what you guys think too. I I mean, do you agree with me? Do you think that that in, in at least in our modern day that we don't reflect on mortality that much. I mean, we don't reflect on the fact that our, we're temporary creatures. I mean, I think there are times where we do. I mean, COVID might have been one of those times. But on the whole, on the on on the on the whole, do you think people reflect on it as much as they did maybe in the past? No, I don't. I don't think we do. Um, like we shield it from our children. Mm-hmm. Um, we keep. I mean. Yeah, we keep it keep it from our kids. I, I don't think it's as prominent even in uh, like TV shows, and I think people die, but they've kind of romanticized it a little bit, mm-hmm. and and almost made it to where that's not going to happen to me. Like you kind of feel that, yeah, in general. Um, you, that, that's a good question. Do you remember the first time that that you you had a brush with mortality and understood death, do, do, like? Can you go back and remember that as a kid, or like like the first time, either like when a pet died, or when uh, your first real relative, you know, that you were close to, died, or like when the first time that you ever went to a funeral? Do you do you remember that at all? I don't. Um, I really don't. I mean, I was in second grade. Maybe one of y'all can remember a story. Uh, in second grade, we moved to a new church, and that new church, my, my dad's the pastor, uh, and in the first six months, he did 19 funerals. Mm-hmm. So I just think being a pastor's son and just You're growing right up in church, because yeah. uh, we never had pets. My dad's uh, very allergic to furry animals, and uh, I think we, had, we, we tried some fish a few times, and they didn't make it, but... Uh, uh, so no, I don't remember personally. I just remember it. I guess I just always kind of knew. Uh, maybe my family was more morbid than other families. <laughs> 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 like, nah, dude, you're like, gonna I, die. I, I, like I remember um, maybe maybe one of the earliest memories I have of of hearing of death and dealing with death, ironically, was a um, uh, it was an episode of Sesame Street. Um, and it's it's a classic one uh, because one of the <clears throat> if you recall I don't know you guys maybe never watched Sesame Street but when Sesame Street aired <clears throat> Jim Jim Henson of course had his Muppets but there were also real people actors that the Muppets would interact with the kids would interact with and stuff and there was a guy who was a grocery store owner in in, in on on the show and in real life he died and Sesame Street in what I think was a very wise move, chose to deal with that on the show. Because uh, Big Bird didn't understand where he went and, and what happened to him. Mm. And so they dealt with this on the show. I remember as a kid watching this wow. and, and, and being impacted by it. Um, like you, I grew up in church and, 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 you know, and, and I maybe had known about death, but I'd never seen it dealt with, I think, from a kid's perspective, right? And, and for some reason, that really stuck out to me. I mean, well, you know, your favorite show which normally doesn't deal with sad things at all, suddenly <laughs> deals with something pretty sad and tragic. And, and you, you know, as a kid, you're trying to process that. Um, and it wasn't until I was up into, 
my high school years, I believe, that I ever went to my first funeral. And I think the first funeral I went to wasn't even a funeral for somebody that I knew. It was somebody that I had been invited to sing at. I had been invited to sing at their funeral, and I went and sung at someone else's funeral. So that was the first time I ever went to a funeral. I had, I had two grandparents pass away, and I went to neither of their funerals. Um, but one because I was too young, and one because it was out of state, and we, we didn't, the whole family didn't travel at the time. So, um, yeah, it was, so my, you know, I was, you talk about being sheltered from death. Yeah. It's not my parents didn't actively shelter me from death. It's just as a kid, I got to thinking, I, I really didn't have a whole lot of yeah. interaction with death, mm-hmm. you know. So, what about you guys? Yeah, I remember, uh, I guess the first personal thing, and it goes back to my whole dog thing, uh, is I had a pet chihuahua, and his name was Simon. <laughs> pet chihuahua. Yeah, and uh, I was probably about six years old, I guess. And uh, there was a German Shepherd lived across the street. And um, so we were in the front yard, and of course my chihuahua's barking and acting like a tough guy, like he could go beat up the German <laughs> Shepherd. And first thing I know, he runs across the street to go get the German Shepherd, and he gets flattened by a car right there in front of him. Oh, no. So I'm like, all right, I'm done with dogs. I don't want any more pets, anything like that, because, you know, I didn't want to face that again. Yeah. And uh, But as a kid, I remember, uh, if, you know, the kids basically... Someone would watch the kids. Yeah. Because I remember one, we were all at my house, and our, the church was, you know, not too far from there. We could walk the church. But um, there was a funeral for one of my uh, friend's granddaddy. And, um, of course, we were all kind of kin and inter, intermarriage with all the different uh, people in the church. And also, mm-hmm. so we had about probably 25 or 30 kids that were just out playing and hanging out. And all of a sudden, the funeral procession goes by, and we all stop, and we're just like, we see this funeral procession. Mm-hmm. And so even though we didn't go to the funeral, we knew something had happened, and it was mm-hmm. a bad thing. Yeah. And then, I guess when I was about nine years old, or 10, uh, my grandma uh, on my um, dad's side died, and went to that funeral. And of course, uh, all the, you know, he had, Ten brothers and sisters, so they're all up there at the front, and so we're kind of sitting in the back with our brothers and sisters. There were so many people there, and and I just remember my dad just like he took it real hard. He was like wailing and like went up to the coffin and was leaning yeah. on the coffin and wailing. It's like that just struck me as a little boy because I never seen my dad act like yeah. that. Yeah, and so um, so I knew death was painful. It was something. To be avoided, yeah, and then something that, uh, you know, you could lose all your emotions and everything, and it's like it was just strange to see my dad lose, lose, lose it like that. Yeah. And so yeah, um, so it was something. Then I kind of like kept at a distance from it, mm-hmm. but then as you grow older, you kind of experience it more, and um, and then once you become a pastor, like Jeremiah said, you know. I did 60 funerals the first four years. I was the wow, pastor here. Was a sheriff, and um, so death then became almost like a friend, somebody that you're familiar with now. The first yeah. few was like really strange, but then you kind of get familiar with it. Yeah, and um, so then you look at it differently. Yeah, it, it, it's true that when you enter into the ministry, death becomes it, it becomes a little something different. It, yeah, I mean, not that you go to church, you might go to a funeral, but 
when you're actually in the church serving, yeah. you're at pretty much every funeral, yes. whether you're doing them or not. Yeah, and and so you you it does take on a different perspective, I think, from pastors. But even so, um, having said that, it doesn't change. And you've heard us talk about this before. It doesn't change how death hits you personally. When, and when then when you yeah, and then when you start having to do funerals for close relatives and friends and right. family members, then all of a sudden it even. It yeah. even hits you more and makes you yeah. really think about sure. about it even more. And so uh, it really opens your heart and mind and stuff to people and ministry, ministering right. to people and be able to be honest about death yeah. and not be so freaky about it. Because, you know, in our text, you know, if, if all it is is that we're here for a short time and then we disappear and like nothing matters. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and I think that's why the Bible went through so many texts comparing life that way yeah um, but yeah we'll let Blake talk yeah what about you we'll Blake? Some you, what, what's what's your earliest memory of, of death or, or do you do you even have one yeah I not much not so much with people starting out but I had a pet I know like in my real early childhood probably mm-hmm. like when I was in pre-k kindergarten we had a pet it was a golden retriever named Jolly mm-hmm. and I mean, there'd be, I mean, I was even up eight, nine years old, and I'd still cry because I missed the dog. So, wow. <laughs> so uh, that was that was a little bit tough. And the guy who actually led me to the Lord, mm-hmm. um, we had gone to visit him when I was probably, I don't know, eight, nine, ten, mm-hmm. something around in there. And he wasn't, like, dead yet, but he was bedridden. I mean, he wasn't really mm-hmm. conscious, conscious mm-hmm. for the most part. So, you know, that was a little bit eye-opening, and... Um, I will say I watched America's Most Wanted with my family, and that was not good growing up. <laughs> I should not have done that. That was something that was like terrifying to me on that end. But um, really, the first, uh, really the first person, like the first personal thing, was probably with my great grandpa. When it comes to like humans, right? right yeah. My great grandpa, my dad's side, mm-hmm. dying, and I was like a junior, like Paul Bear, yeah. for his. For his funeral, and so that was uh, that was kind of like the first realization. And then when my great grandmother died mm-hmm. in 2015, I, we pro- we were all there. We pretty much watched the line go. Uh, no, what's the word I'm looking for? Go, flat yeah, flat. go flat. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. You were there in the room when that, right? Oh, yeah, wow. we did. So that was uh, we went. I was actually visiting that same hospital for. Her husband, my great grandpa, not too long ago, and I—I I mean, it was almost like a flashback mm-hmm. of that. You know, some of those things you just—you <clears throat> just never forget. Yeah. And so there was, yeah, there was a few times, but it really didn't sink in much till I was probably ten or eleven. Yeah. 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 I. Uh, now Blake actually makes a good point. I remember going. I remember seeing the the just before death a lot. Yeah. And I think that probably jaded my view of death Mm -hmm. because it was almost like man I kind of these people not to be mean but these people kind of needed to die I got you almost wanted it for them you wanted finality yeah like you didn't want to see suffering and just a a corpse a living corpse basically but I also remember I just it's kind of funny 
I remember Old Yeller, the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I remember that hitting pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've seen it since. We watched watched that in school, too, in the assembly. Yeah, and I was watching that right when my gold retriever kind of died, too. So it's kind of like, well, you know, it's, I I say, I I have a share of those moments, and uh, because I think it's interesting that, um, that, our, our encounters with death, even as pastors, of course, as pastors, it's, but it's, it's more so, but our encounters with death as if we were just lay people, our encounters with death are so few that we just don't, we don't talk about it a lot. And, and when we do, when it does happen, we remember it. We, you know, it sticks out to us. We remember those moments. And, and so I just think that, that um, we as, 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 Americans. I don't know if that's that is this way around the world because I think there are countries where death is so prevalent. It's it, you see it and they don't hide it and it's just out in the open so they know it's a reality and all. But we do tend to we we tuck things away. We you know we have you know we have special places that you go to go observe dead people. You know and and like we we push death to the side because. We really don't want to think about it and then we we further desensitize ourselves to it with the kind of entertainment that we take in and stuff so that we're like, oh yeah, death is just when somebody gets shot and is laying there, you know, but that, you know, that just happens on television or that just happens in the movies. That's fictional. And so I think we get in this mindset then that we're just gonna, we act, I think practically all of us act like we're going to live forever. I think everybody does that. You know, when I go to bed and I'm just going to get up and I'm going to do, you know, we make plans, we make plans years in advance and we're like, we're like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna live forever. Now I think older people, the closer they get to death, they they begin to to to, to think beyond that. They, I think they're very close to mortality. But that's because I've heard some some of my senior adult acquaintances and and such talk about this. They, the older you get, the more that obituary means to you because there's more people that are in it that you know, mm-hmm. more people that you know that are passing away than are than are living. And um, I used to have people tell me, you know. Heaven gets sweeter and sweeter every day because all the people that I loved are all there. I want to go there. It's not that I don't love people here, but the people that I I, I remember and I grew up with, the people who were the dearest to me, are all in heaven now. And I just want to go there. Um, and so I think then you do really begin to think about mortality. But for younger people, man, I, I just don't think we think about it that much. I, I, I don't. And, and, you know, it's funny. You mentioned you were in the room, Blake, when when um, your 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 loved one took their final breath. I, can, I think I've mentioned this before to you guys, um, but I have yet to be in a room where somebody took their final breath. I, I've I've been there just after, like literally moments after, and I've been there just before. But I've uh, or you know like been there before and then left and then shortly thereafter it happened. Uh, but I've never actually been in the room when someone flatlined. It's a little bit of a roller coaster kind of feeling because uh, with the case of my great grandmother, for example, she had just had like a like a double mastectomy and yeah, everything went well mm-hmm. um, and for a week, and then she's right back in the hospital from sepsis with blood poisoning. Oh, man. And and you know we always appreciated the doctor's honesty saying, you know, it's kind of half half, you know, she could right. make it, she could not. And you know, I was uh, thankfully it was during the summertime and I was able to take my great grand who was getting to be about 70 
seven at the time, seventy nine, mm-hmm. somewhere like uh, back and forth to Winston Salem every day, which was about forty minute drive. And so it was a lot of toll on the family, you know, making sure she was taken care of, and and especially seeing how bad she had suffered. You know, she, you yeah. know, just her, but her her organs were just shutting down, and it was um, yeah, I mean. Like kind of like what you said, Jeremiah. I mean, you know, you don't want to be mean, but it's almost like a sigh of relief, especially when you know that they're a believer. Yeah, knowing yeah. that you watch them, yeah. in a sense, enter into the presence of the Lord. Yeah, it's it's a comforting yet really like sad feeling as well. You know, yeah. you have a little bit of a mixture there. Yeah. Oh, like I said I, I've I've never been in the room yeah. when it happened. I've been there. Trying to think, probably about six times, I imagine. Wow! And um, the first time it happens, you know, it's the, you know, everything. The first first experience is always kind of like okay, um, and you know, you're the pastor and you're there, right? So you're thinking, what can I say? And, and you basically can just pray with them, and um, you know, then just comfort them, and then uh, know that you know you're going to still be there. For, for their funeral or whatever. So um, most of the ones I've been to were people that uh, you know had had a, like a heart a heart problem or other illnesses, and so it was kind of a, an expected thing that this person would probably mm-hmm. die, and they're just going to take them off life support. So, but it is a roller coaster because you're sitting there and nobody's really talking, and everybody's looking at the machine. And you're just watching the like the blood pressure and the heart rate yeah. and, and all that stuff. And then when it happens, it happens. And then it's almost like anticlimactic in a way. Yeah. Because it's just like they just breathe out and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, <clears throat> so um, the thing is, like you know, I wasn't there for my mom when she died. I wasn't there for my dad when he died. But I told mm-hmm. both of them, you know. I'll see you again one day when yeah, I left. Right. And um, so it's important. I think um, like it's, like what we do in America is like you talked about earlier, we send them to a hospice care. We, we, we fix, and so many older people want to die at home, which is, most people think, oh, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. But that's really where, the, where they want to die. Yeah. That's where my dad wanted to die. That's where my mom wanted to die. Um, but and there's nothing wrong with dying in a hospice care unit either. Right. Um, everybody has to make those choices. But I think sometimes um, that's the way we kind of deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that takes it away from the natural part of life, which is the natural life span mm. that we're all going to be born, we're all going to grow up, hopefully, yeah. and then we're all going to die one day. And so it's just just a transition. From this world to the next yeah and um the good thing about it is the bible does give us the answer right know, we'll talk about it in a few minutes but um but yeah they, these verses here uh and if you don't have christ it is kind of a pessimistic kind of thing like you know someone dies and uh our, of course our uh friends in our culture that don't believe in christianity or the afterlife you know pretty much for them that is it Right. There's, there's nothing that, you know, you did what you could do on this earth and now you're gone. Yeah. And they talk about, um, there's actually a line in a, in a song that's, it's, it's a quote from somewhere else. It's what I remember. They say that, um, the, uh, 
the the last time you do see I can't remember the exact wording, but basically the second time you die is the last time no one remembers your name. And so mm-hmm. so it's 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 this idea that um, once your name is gone, once everybody forgets you, and that the reason why I think about that is verse sixteen for the wind passes over and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. Mm-hmm. Um, once once you're forgotten, really forgotten, that's when you truly die in, in the world's eyes, right? Yeah. That and so you you, you want to make a name for yourself so that you can live on, um, and then once. But even then, like it's not gonna last. That even that's not gonna last forever. There's lots of people who were famous people, probably you know, even in you know, say 1600s, that we don't nobody knows them yeah. anymore. I mean, they don't they don't know who they are now. Um, and so uh, the that idea of the only way that you can live on is through remembrance um, is is interesting. In, in fact. It's gotten so much so that uh, it's interesting to watch how our culture tries to beat this. Because um, mm-hmm. even, even outside, of Christianity, outside of Christianity, all humans know that death is an enemy of sorts. Um, and they want to beat it. They, they, everybody wants to beat death. They want to figure out a way to cheat death, to get around death. I mean, there's all kinds of fictional stories about cheating death you know we have a billions of dollars healthcare industry all about doing that yeah exactly one one of the ways that that i I found interesting i was watching something i don't remember what it was but they're 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 legit doing this this is not something i'm making up i actually watched them do it um they they're now trying to get people to record themselves and um record their voices and and then they're making these animatronics that are um, I think I remember reading about that too. The, the animatronics that that have your recorded voice and stuff that have that they mix with an AI so that people can come and Still talk have a to conversation, you yeah. and have a conversation yeah. with you and so in in a way you can continue to live on um, and I'm like that's so cheap I mean it's like it's not even it's not even close to real uh, but that's the clip but, but these people were I watched people interact with, with, with one of these, and they, you would have thought that they, that, I mean, they had, they had cheated death with this. And, and so I think it's interesting. Um, I, I, think it's, I think it's interesting that we, yeah, we have a billion dollar healthcare industry that's all about trying to cheat death. We have stories about, you know, the fountain of youth, you know, and, and things like that, right? And then we, and then we have legit technological uh, advances where people were trying to figure out a way to capture consciousness of people so that they can live on forever. And yet, none of that's really going to work. And the Bible says why it won't work. And, and it won't work because, as for man, his days are like a flower. That's just the truth. The truth is our physical bodies will end. It's just our, our mortality is a reality that we have to come to terms with. And I think we do ourselves a disservice in some ways by not embracing that more and because we don't embrace it more um i think that that's why guys we have trouble getting people to understand the the the, you said this was the pessimistic part the optimistic part which is that that the seed of flowers is a metaphor for god's eternal nature that god is offering eternality uh to us all now it's not something that comes i 
this is another sort of common misconception or a common, I think, assumption. Uh, what you guys think? I think that I think if you push people, just people on the street, Jeremiah, that if you push people to talk about it, it, that they believe most people believe that when they die, that's not the end. They either believe in some idea of like an immortality of the soul kind of thing. Or they just think de facto everybody goes to heaven. Um, that uh, that that that's the way we practically live. What do you think? Yeah, or just like they, uh, you get a sense of they they feel like people will be able to resurrect us later. Like mm. like technology will get to a point in science, will, med- medical science will get to a point where <coughs> uh, they'll resurrect us later. Or, um, yeah, I think probably in general, I think everyone thinks we'll go to some sort of nirvana or heaven or maybe reincarnation. Mm-hmm. But I think everyone believes if they were, if you really push them on it. Because I think they'll give you the answer that science gives, right? That we're all worm food. Mm-hmm. And I guess some people take comfort in that. Like, I just go back into nature. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't take any comfort in that. I think most people, I think it's natural to feel that death is not right. Mm-hmm. Because it's not. Right. It, it feels unnatural. It doesn't feel right. It feels unjust. Mm-hmm. It really does when you think about it. Um, and I think all of that's because it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be that way. Right. Um, and that's where, I mean, that's kind of the pessimistic part, but it's also just reality. And as Christians, we should kind of embrace that. Like, hey, this, you're right. The way you feel is normal Like, because this is not right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not not that God's not right or that his justice isn't right, but that it's it's unnatural. It's not the way it was supposed to be. But there's a reverse for it, right? right. And one of the biggest examples, and uh, we can talk about it for a little bit, um, just thinking about the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like right. all the movies, and I know <laughs> there's one that just came out that's fresh on my mind. I won't talk about it because it's too fresh uh, and spoilers, but um, right. just think about Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Like kind of the end of the first wave of movies. Right. And like how everyone, like the kind of the world felt when there was this final, like, yeah, right, dude. Mm-hmm. Iron Man can't be dead. Mm-hmm. And you feel that always now. In every every movie. It's like, okay, yeah, right. They're not dead. Because mm-hmm. you just... The, they just don't they don't want to accept that there's a finale there's an end and like with cap and his storyline and mm-hmm. I, I might be getting way over y'all's heads but uh uh cap with his storyline they they wouldn't kill him mm-hmm. but they had to get rid of him somehow yeah so they're like oh we'll just send you back in time mm-hmm. so it goes back in time lives all alternate timeline and now there's in the MCU there's there's alternate timelines and alternate right. uh <laughs> yeah there's alternate uh, universes, so the multiverse and right. all that, and it's like, man, we'll we'll think of anything to not think about death. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know what? Yeah. We'll create any any story yeah. to not have to think about Iron Man being dead. Yeah, and look, soap operas have been doing that for years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, <right. laughs> you know anything about soap operas? Somebody gets killed off. They come. Or, uh, they're never really dead. No, I mean, they're never really dead. They all, what they was it? The, uh, the Pokemon trainer. 
He has 20, 20 years ex- of experience and he's still 14. Yeah. And it's like that, the, the, the memes funny. are all like, that's what but, all employees are looking for. Yeah. You're 18 years old with 20 years experience. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, but, but that's exactly, well, that's my point. I think, I think that, that we just, um, we don't, we practically live as though we're going to live forever. And if, and, and we, we practically live as though, um, you know, I think if you push it, I think I think more people believe in an afterlife than don't. I think the the true secular humanist atheist position um, is is probably rarer than what we think. I think there's more people who believe that that I had I had I had a I had a professor who was uh, she was raised Muslim and with for all intents and purposes was atheist, but. Um, She's after she lost her husband. She said, "I realized after I lost my husband that there has to be something beyond this." Now she never, she doesn't believe in Christianity, but she knew she feels like there's got to be something. Well, and I think that makes sense because if you look in Ecclesiastes, which you know, with this passage, it would remind me a lot of like Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt like this passage that you preached on Jeff was like Ecclesiastes in four verses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of felt like, but in a, right. in Ecclesiastes three. Let's see, 11 here. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people long for something, like you were saying, after, mm-hmm. you know, after life. You know, and even in uh, when I was in philosophy class about five years ago, we were watching the atheism tapes. Mm-hmm. And I there was this one atheist, I think his name was Colin McGinn. He even was like we're talking about like justice he's like I even wish hell were true yeah because there's no justice in this world yeah yeah so even yeah even people who are self-proclaimed atheists that make tapes about their atheism even long for you know justice and where mm-hmm. you know something along the lines of justice for the bad people and a good place for the good people you know something in their eyes right what they would see so no, I, I'm, 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 I'm with you there. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what the answer is, because I think that that's important. Um, I mean, we, we, we've looked at what the way the world looks at this, but we, we understand and know that, that there is an answer for, um, for this sort of conundrum that humanity finds itself in, and in, in the idea that, you know, we're, um, we're we're destined to die. I mean, we are going to die, unless unless we live until he comes again, we will physically die. Um, and so, what's the answer to that? Where, where where does the answer lie? And the answer lies obviously begins with God's eternal nature. And Jeff, you pointed that out. You know, um, and you know, you talked about Deuteronomy seven nine where. We see that he's a faithful God who keeps his covenant, keeps his promises for a thousand generations, lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. So this is this is who God is. God God is not uh, God is not mortal. God does not die. God doesn't have a beginning nor an end. Mm-hmm. And he is eternal in that way. And so he has through his graciousness uh, extended his that 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 eternal nature. Um, through through salvation through Jesus Christ to all um, to all of us now um, clarify something for our listeners who might wonder um, because we talk about 
we talk about eternality with God, and we talk about the fact that as Christians, we we are recipients of that of that of that gift of of um, eternity because we know that because He is He is risen, we will we will rise again, um, and that we will be with Him eternally. Um, my brain can't even fathom eternity. I'm going to try to. Um, every time I try to think about it, it just it blows my mind. I think it's funny. Like I said, we live our lives practically like we're going to live forever. Mm-hmm. But then when we actually think about living forever, it's like it, it's our, brain, our brains right. can't our brains can't <laughs> comprehend that. Weird how it's, that works. Yeah, it is weird how that works. Um, but so let's talk a little bit about eternity. And uh, um, is eternity something that is only for those who believe in Christ? Or is eternity something that's given to every human being because of what Jesus has done? Mm. Um, that's that's a question I think that that some of our listeners might have, and and one that we want to address here. So, what, what what's your all's thoughts on that? Is eternity something that only belongs to the Christian, or is eternity something that belongs to everyone? It's just the the maybe the way you spend that eternity is different. Yeah, I believe uh, we were created eternal. And uh, we, will, we will remain eternal. Oh, okay. So you um, think we were actually created eternal? Yeah, I know there's, there's controversy. Like, like why, why is there a tree of life in the garden? And why does the tree of life show back up in the, in the revelation? If, we, if we're already going to live forever, why is there... Because one of the reasons they're thrown out of the garden is so they don't have access to the tree right. of life. So, yeah, if they would have yeah. ate, ate from the tree of life in their sinful nature, they would have been forever in their sinful nature. Right. Oh, okay. And okay. that's yeah. the way I interpret that. Gotcha. So, I do too. So, yeah, so I think we were created for eternity, and we're either going to experience it mm-hmm. in God's presence, which we would call heaven, and all the benefits and all the people that will be there worshiping God, serving, mm-hmm. everything we're going to be doing. Or you're going to spend eternity outside of his presence. Yeah. And what form that takes, I don't really know. Um, and we believe that that we'll all, everyone will resurrect. And and even if, yes. yes. I know so, with the rapture, everyone's like, it'll just be. I know some people teach, teach that, you know, and if you look at little passages like this, it says like you vanish and all that, you just disappear. A lot of people do teach that. But even if that was, if even if annihilation was true and you no longer existed and you just your whole memory and everything's wiped off, wouldn't that be terrible? Well, that's because, horrible. Yeah, I mean that'd be almost because then you lived a life and you had an opportunity and then now it's just gone. The person's not there anymore, and just and, and I guess you know if that's true, then when God wipes away all of our tears, He's going to wipe away memories and all of people that we knew beforehand and all that. So. A lot of speculation to what that's going to be like, but yeah. but clearly God uh, provides a way, and it goes from generation to generation because He's eternal, even though we're finite. Mm-hmm. So for two thousand years, we've been preaching the same gospel mm-hmm. that people experienced two thousand years ago. Right. They can experience it even today, and it's all through the message, His Word, that seed, that eternal seed being planted in your heart, that gives you that opportunity to experience eternity with God. Yeah. Um, so that's the salvation part, but uh, again, I agree that um, that that there will be a, a, some kind of existence outside of God's presence, 
you know, eternal life is heaven, so would it be eternal death or whatever way you want to describe it? You know, there's yeah. all kind of ways to do that. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the, our hope then is, I think that was the whole point of the message is trying to, because if we avoid death, then we look at our children, our grandchildren and all, we don't really think about, well, I need to really present the gospel to them because That's we right. just don't know. Right. And, and we want to do it before it's too late. And then if we don't, then they don't get to experience God's grace and mercy and loving kindness throughout their life. So when they experience death and pain and everything else they're going to experience, God's there for them. And the world's not going to teach them that. No. I mean, the, 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 there's, that that's the thing that Christians can't just assume that by osmosis, these, these other, this other generation is going to learn about the gospel or learn about the, the things of Jesus or have the opportunity to to understand what God's given, right? They're, they're not going to get that by osmosis. They're not going to stumble across it. That's something that has to be taught to them by someone. Yes. And often that someone is is you. I mean, you... Well, you, the promise is for you and your children and grandchildren. So technically, like we did our... When we did our dedication, you know, we had grandparents there. Mm-hmm. We had the, chi- the, the parents there. We had children there. And we had a church there. Right. So technically, if all those combine and come together, then we're fulfilling this 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 purpose that God has. Oh, absolutely! Has but if if somebody breaks that covenant, right? I.e., the if the if the parents say, uh, you know, this was something I did, and I'm not saying these parents that we just dedicated right, right, right. in general talking that if they don't follow up on that covenant or that commitment, then that child won't have an opportunity to to hear or not. Yeah, and. Um, so, um, so it's very important for, for us as Christians, you know, it's called generation, which, you know, that's seed language, mm-hmm. the generation from generation that, that it just keeps, we keep presenting the gospel, we keep planting the seed, we keep, keep watering, and eventually God's going to make it grow. Mm. Um, and so, um, you know, if, if we don't do it, who is? Right. And I, I ended on with that that um, that North African missionary. He had been there for so many years, and he finally got to the point where he thought, if I could put the Bible in their language, they could hear it, because mm-hmm. he's dealing with Muslim Muslims, mm-hmm. and the Muslims respected the Old Testament, and so they spent the most of the time translating the Old Testament in their language. And then once they got to the New Testament, then people became believers. Yeah. And these translators had been translating the Old Testament for them, became believers, and it was that believer then that had that conversation with him about. How long have y'all had this Bible? And our grandparents and parents didn't get the opportunity. So it was like a reverse of, of this passage kind of thing. Right. Um, so that's that's why it's important for us to present the gospel. And the gospel, of course, is not just an idea or a philosophy. It's, it's actually Jesus. He is it's a the person. Seed. Right. He's the seed. Yeah. Right. It's not a prop. It's not a set of propositions. It's a person. Um, as one person, uh, one professor I had said, I would. I, I really like that. That the gospel is not just a set of statements. It's, it's a person. You know, we were talking about a, a personal gospel. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm, FYI, I'm, I'm with you guys for the most part there. I do think that um, because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross and in his resurrection, every single human being has an eternal destiny of some sort. I think we're. I think. I think the eternality was secured at the cross and the re, in the cross and the resurrection. Um, where where that eternity is, the nature of that eternity is 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 what is what uh, the difference between salvation and, and you know 
and, and not being saved, not trusting in Christ as Savior. That's the difference, just like you, you outlined there, Jeff. I, I feel the same way. So one way or another, you're going to have some sort of eternal destiny. And even if you do sort of endorse this idea of annihilation, for instance, um, that's eternal in its own way. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that is not, that's eternally not... Eternally non-existent. Eternally non-existent. Um, and so um, uh, I read a long time ago... Um, you know, they do those academic books that are four views on whatever. Mm-hmm. I have one that's on four views on hell. And um, uh, one of them was a, a, like a, one of them took a, the position of like a literal physical torment, eternal physical torment. One of them took the position that was more like the C.S. Lewis position, which is it's not necessarily physical torment, but there's emotional torment there uh, of, of regret, um, eternal like regret and emotional torment. And just becoming more and more of, I think Lewis put it this way. Lewis said um, that rejecting, continually rejecting God will make us less and less of who God wants us to be. Mm. And so if you, if you stretch that out into eternity, then you can see how we would devolve into something that we were never intended to be. And that's hell. Uh, that, that's the way C.S. Lewis saw hell. Um, and then one was Clark Pinnock. Who took the annihilation view, right. and then the fourth one, and the other three guys ganged up on this guy was the Catholic view of purgatory. And they're right. like, "Why are you even doing here? You're not a hell view. <laughs> it's like uh, it's not even a view of hell. That's purgatory." Yeah. But 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 there again, um, the Catholics with their view on pur- on purgatory, they really that that's their that's their way of trying to you know to it's that universalism, right? Eventually, everybody gets there. Eventually, it, it may take. A hundred thousand years for for someone to get there, but the, God will win. You know, well, I guess a fifth view of hell would be the rock and roll view of, you know, everybody's gonna be at hell partying and having a good time. Yeah, yeah, stuff. there's that too. But but these the, we were looking at yeah, the, yeah. The, theological views of hell, not like worldly views right. of hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that that that's right. I, I think that um, uh, you know, I, I'm like you. I don't, the Bible, maybe thankfully doesn't give us a, a clear picture of what that is. It, it just doesn't. It doesn't say clearly what hell is going to be. It just shows that it's a place to be avoided. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's an existence to be avoided. And God has given us the, the, the way to avoid it. Um, but I do think that, 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 uh, that you, Jeremiah, you, you said a moment ago, are all, are all people going to be resurrected? And I think the answer to that is yes, because of what Jesus did. Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, his resurrection accomplished resurrection for all humanity, um, whether they trusted in him or not. And the Bible seems to be pretty clear that that there is going to come a time where everybody will stand. I don't know how you stand if you're not resurrected, right? Or everybody will stand in judgment. So I'm with you. I actually think that uh, the resurrection happens to all human beings. It's just some will be resurrected to enter into into paradise, and others will be resurrected to enter into the opposite of paradise, whatever that is. So, um, yeah. Um, Let's see here. What else we got uh, that we want to talk about here? Uh, Jeremiah, you, I know you, you, you had mentioned, because Jeff used some other periphery texts uh, to talk about some of these issues. And uh, one of them, I think, was the Isaiah passage that you mentioned earlier. Was there something you wanted to say in particular about that? No. Um, 
the other texts that really uh, that people know the best are Isaiah 40 and Isaiah 55. Mm-hmm. But both seem to they're they're more focused on the positive, I think, mm-hmm. more focused on the fact that, uh, and they're both focused on God's word, mm-hmm. right? That it's not just God who's eternal, but it's also His word who's eternal, and His word. Uh, accomplishes all that it is sent out to accomplish like it's a sure thing it's 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 set in eternity it's not temporal mm-hmm. it's set in eternity so right. so you can trust it and that's um i like those cross references but i just i think that this is a a thing that starts in genesis 1 mm-hmm. and like ends in revelation 21 like it's a theme all throughout scripture that's talked about like this dust thing that we're, we're flowers or we're fading mm-hmm. um, and we return to dust actually Jeff didn't read it I don't think but yes the past the, the verse right before, before is like he knows we're just dust yeah mm-hmm. and uh, like I said it starts in Genesis 1 I mean that's the basis of like he reaches down in the dust and creates man right. um, and and to, uh, what's the verb? I, I don't even. You may not have quoted it, but to dust we come from, to dust we return. Mm-hmm. Um, ashes, ashes, ashes. I think that's the Job passage, maybe. Job mentions that. I think but it I might think be quoted a few times. Yeah, 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 I think I'm not sure where. More. But um, just in general, like this is a pretty common theme in the mm-hmm. Bible. So mm-hmm. if you're you're going to encounter this quite often, so that should that should kind of show you like you can't. You can't just ignore this. You, you got to kind of have a plan for it. Um, and I'll just be honest with you. I don't like if you're going to ignore death and the finality of like decisions made on earth. I don't know why you even want to be a Christian. Like, like, I don't know. I mean, like what what did Jesus reverse for you mm. if if you if, if we're not going to die anyways? Yeah. Uh, or at least there's not punishment, or eternal punishment or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of it's ultimately, we want to be with Jesus. I mean, that's, when we talk about hell, it's not, I just want to get, I don't want to be in that place. It's, I don't want to be anywhere where Jesus is, where God is not there. Yeah. I mean, that's what scares me about, I mean, you read Job. Uh, not everyone agrees with me. I've got this current active theory about the book of Job, that it's it's basically hell. Mm-hmm. It's basically what earth would be if God just took a back seat and was like, ah, all right, you, I, I won't exist right mm-hmm. now. That's Job's life. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. God goes to Satan's like, do whatever you want. I'm, I'm taking a back seat. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just crazy. Like mm-hmm. what happens, right. it's, it's unorganized, it's chaos, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to live in a world like that. Yeah, and that's why hell sucks so much. So, uh, that's kind of my thoughts on this sermon. But I might actually be preaching a little bit more on this stuff this coming week. But um, we'll see. All right. I'm preaching Sunday, so oh okay, cool. I, I'm, I am Blake's not going to be here, so you have to do the kids' talk. Oh, okay, All right, cool. <laughs> um, I'm finding out just now. Duties. <laughs> on the podcast. On the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to touch on something else you just said there, because uh, I think this was important too, and Jeff, you, you, you may mention this. It's that it's not just that, uh, it, that so much of the verses that we have about what remains forever is the word of the Lord, um, that it's the word of the Lord that remains forever. And Blake, um, I don't think Jeff 
quoted it, but when I when I hear the word of the Lord, I know some people might automatically go, "Well, that just that means the Bible." But um, I'm thinking I'm thinking you know Jesus, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, because the word became flesh, um, and also the word. I believe it's in. I want to say First Peter. It references the word of truth. Uh, that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's the gospel. So, but obviously that gospel revolves around the Word incarnate, which is Jesus. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'm right there with you when it comes to the Word lasts forever, because we, you know, we believe that Jesus or the Son of God is eternal and has always existed, always will exist in the in a trinitarian relationship. So, yeah, that that became flesh. Because because one could think about like. It, is it possible, at least in the realm of possibility, that, um, let's say, the Bible stops being published? I mean, there's been movies and stuff that talk, you know, that, that sort of goes Book along that line. Yeah, like Book of Eli or something, right? Where people have to remember and put it back together. I've still not seen that movie. I, I need to watch it. Um, I know what the premise is behind it, but I haven't seen it. But, but it's at least one could think of, I mean, perhaps we could say, well, no, it won't ever be that way because God will preserve his word, right? God will preserve his word. But one could think of a future in where, you know, maybe they quit publishing the Bible or it's really hard to get a copy of the Bible. Or it becomes outlawed. Or it becomes outlawed um, as a banned book or something, right? Um, and... In that case, would we say, well, I guess the word of God didn't live forever, you know, that that it's it's gone. Um, would I mean we wouldn't say that, even though even though the that's why that's why I think it's well, if it's not the written word, then it would become the oral word, and it'd be people telling people what they remember about the gospel, how it first started. You know, it was people telling stories about Jesus, and this is what he taught, and this is what happened, and we were there. Somebody started writing it down. Um, so there's still going to be a way that the word would get out mm-hmm. because the word is the written word, but it's also the living word, mm. which we believe that's Jesus Christ. Right. It was the word from the beginning. Yeah. And uh, so he was always in existence. So he's never going to be not in existence. And that, that's why I didn't really go into the prologue of John about the word because they, they obviously Peter and them said, this is the word. Um, yeah. You know, the seed is the word. The gospel is the word. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, let's go back to the seed then. Who is the seed? Mm-hmm. Right, we'll back to right. That first, Isaiah is uh, clear that the, you know, talk about grass withering here. The grass will wither and the flowers will fade, but the word of our yeah. God stands forever. And so the only reason flowers grow every year is because that seed has been planted and, the, and then the flowers produce more seed and that keeps going. And just like Jeremiah and Jonathan both have, planted seed and produce seed and children and so that's kind of like it, it it generates and so so the word of god is what gets planted in our heart and our lives and um and it's not only the hiding his written word in my heart but hiding him well yeah I, well i think back to that and, and you you quoted some of my favorite verses from the jeremiah 31 oh, yeah. i love jeremiah 31 and that was the one that kind of showed the covenant language yeah. right so, I, I love that because covenant. that's where he says you know i'm I, this is the new covenant i'm going to make with the people of israel and what is this new covenant i'm going to put my instructions deep within them so it's not it's not just on written word but this is i 
it's not just going to be on a written law, but my law is going to be deep within them. I'm going to write it on their hearts. Yeah. Yeah. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they, won't, they'll need, uh, they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. And I think part of that is, I don't think that, that uh, I think it would be a disservice to that text to say, oh, well, it says there, we don't need to be telling our neighbors anything. Yeah. You know, we don't need to, I don't need to tell my family because they're going to know the Lord because it's not that's what he's right. saying. Right. But what he's saying is, I'm going to make myself yeah, known. So the law I'm going to make myself known hearts, in a so way. When they hear the word, the word that's been written in their heart will come. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to make myself. Oh, okay, this yeah. is resonating. Well, and, and I think he's saying, I think he's saying here, fellas, that I, I'm going to make myself known in a way that I've, that that's never been done before. I'm going to. That this is the this is him prophesying Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to make myself known in a way. Uh, I'm going to reveal myself to man in a way that everybody can know me. Because up to this point, the, they, the only way they knew God was either through what the prophets had said or through his commandments, and those kinds of things. They didn't know him intimately, but God was going to make a way for us to know him intimately and um, to, to truly know him, to be able to relate to him through Jesus. And so that's why it's so important. Um, and and um, that that you know that Jesus comes. I love those verses. There's so much. I maybe my favorite, at least Old Testament verses, are there in in that 31st chapter of Jeremiah. And I think it's important too to remember the Holy Spirit with that because He'll come and be yeah, I mean, how, with how does He the yeah. outpouring of the Holy right. Spirit. That's right. And that's how do we experience yeah. that's right. That's true. That's, that's a good point. And the Holy Spirit's the one who makes us understand. The right. Holy Spirit's the one who empowers us to help others understand. Yeah. And, no, that's yeah. right. That's that's correct. And I mean just think about creation. Uh, when we when we talk about the word, we clearly mean the spoken word, which is the Bible, and the incarnate word, which is Jesus. Because if you don't mean both of those, I don't think creation makes any spin any sense especially when you you hear like hebrews 1 talk about jesus was there mm-hmm. at creation mm-hmm. well where is he there he's there in the word right. and it was also the spoken word that they created all of this and yeah. so clearly before before there was words on a page the mm-hmm. word transcended mm-hmm. the words on the page yeah yeah and i um, think of colossians 1 2 uh Christ was the agent in creation. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Everything that was created was created through him, right? Right. So, um, all right. Well, we are out of time here. Um, Jeremiah, you said you're going to be preaching this Sunday. You, you, have an, you already have an idea? Um, I'm wrestling with an idea okay. about maybe. That's fair. Uh, in my personal study, I've been studying a lot of end times stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to get into the controversial end time stuff, but I was considering maybe doing the end of the end times mm. which is like revelation 20 yeah. yeah the sunday school class i was gonna say there's a going sunday school class is doing the same yeah. thing right now C-I-T-A and yeah the C-I-T- yeah both of the both of the classes so that the are, older senior adults are going through uh, yeah so they're actually studying that stuff right now because i might a, do that no promises because uh i don't know it, it just doesn't feel right right now for me and the preachers in the room kind of understand that but i do um oh yeah but I just haven't chosen. I gotta choose by Wednesday, but <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. All right, that's fair. You're in that wrestling phase. Yeah. I, I, I've been there, done that. So uh, no, 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 uh, no reason. So you'll just have to kind of tune in, listeners, to find out exactly what we're gonna do, or just uh, show up on Sunday and uh, and hear it for yourself. 
All right, well, until then, uh, we hope that you have a great rest of your week. Um, feel free to email us. As we always say, you can email us at rosbcpastors, that's plural, at gmail.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you, our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in week after week, those of you who do. Uh, feel free to share this with others. Um, we're not professionals, but, you know, we, we, uh, we do this to, as, a, as, a, as a ministry, and uh, we hope that you enjoy it. All right, well, until the next one, have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you then. So.